If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church podcast with Pastor Eric Holling. Because of uh, next Wednesday, we won't be having service, but two weeks from tonight, we'll finish this this uh, book, this wonderful book, and then we have some good things lined out for December. I wanted to just put a bug in here about um, December, I believe it's the 16th. No, what's, what's two weeks? I don't know why I'm even bringing this up. Maybe it's the 18th. A Wednesday, the third Wednesday in December. Look that. The 19th. That's our One Cause Family Christmas. Y'all remember how we've done that the last couple of years where anybody that has a talent in music or poetry or something along those lines, this is your time to showcase your talent. And uh, so we have a, we'll be having a sign-up sheet in the foyer, and we'll have several families and individuals who will sign up and, and showcase our talent. We always have a wonderful time. It's, it's a good tradition. We started a couple years ago, and we're excited to do that. So that's an, another thing. And also in December, we're also going to do a mini uh, preach-a-thon on a Wednesday night again, so be looking forward to that as well. Yeah. All right, so we're just going to be doing some different stuff throughout that month, and uh, just to keep our Wednesday nights fun and, and interesting. So just mark your calendars to be there, and uh, we'll have a good time. So everybody found Philippians chapter 4? Yes, no? You found it? All right, now we will have it up on the screens as well, but um, we're going to start in verse 1. We've had, this has been a really wonderful venture through this book. I've thoroughly enjoyed teaching it. And uh, as we all know that this is the, the number one theme of this book, the theme of the book of Philippians is joy. It's spoken more here in a concentrated effort than anywhere else in the Bible. It's, it's powerful. It, it, this is Paul's exclamation point to his ministry. This church, he had such an endearing uh, uh, feeling toward this church. He loved them. I mean, we're going to see from verse one right here, but over and over he continues to talk about uh, encouraging them and talks about how they're, they're generous and they're giving and even told the Corinthian church about the Philippian church and how generous they were and how in their deep poverty it abounded to the riches of their liberality, how they, they, they sent time and again uh, aid to him, even though a lot of these people were very poor, destitute, um, but they were willing, and, and God blessed them abundantly for what they did. And apparently, they experienced such a, a great uh, impact from that giving, a great harvest or a great result or a great effect from it that they wanted to do it again. Paul said that you only lacked opportunity. They were just looking for opportunity to do that. And uh, that's one thing I love about this church. They're just they're so enthralled with getting the gospel out. They're, they're willing to do whatever it takes. They're willing to be as generous as they, as they need to be, whatever it takes for the message of the gospel to get out and to aid those who are bringing the gospel. And I, I just really love that about uh, this church. It's a very encouraging church. And Paul is just continuing to encourage them in what they do and, and their good works in the kingdom of God and their efforts and their giving. And, uh, and then here in chapter four, he's going to leave some last um, instructions to them. We're going to go through verse 9 tonight, and then two weeks from tonight we'll finish up. But there in verse 1 it says, Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. Paul has this yearning. He's, he's in this house arrest situation in the Roman prison, 
And he has some freedom there, but yet he's still bound to the premises there. And he longs to, to be with these people. And he sends Epaphroditus to them, and he's sending other ministers to them. But he himself wants to see them. He's so encouraged by them and so overwhelmed by their giving. And look what he calls them. He says, you're my joy and you're my crown. That crown, it represents, it's, it's really about, uh, it's about a wreath. That he's, he's talking about the, the games, the Olympic games where they crown the winners with a wreath on their head. And he said, you're the crown. You're my trophy. And um, he says, stand fast in the Lord. Now, we're going to see a couple of places here, that phrase, in the Lord. I want you to maybe underline that in your Bible or, or mark that, because that's important. So stand fast in the Lord, beloved. Now, there are a couple of ways that we could look at this. One being that he's, he's again calling them his beloved or he's telling us to stand fast in the Lord beloved. Now listen, it's important that we as the children of God always keep ourselves in this place of God's love for us. The scripture says over in John, in this is love, not that we love God, but he first loved us. As a matter of fact, as Gentiles, we, we were so far out of this covenant, as we saw earlier, we were outside of it. We were strangers to the covenants of promise. We were, we were estranged from all that God had for Israel. We weren't even in the picture at one point. And we were outside of that. We didn't have a right to the promises. We didn't have a right to that, that bread, which is the, 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 the healing, that, which is the children's bread. We didn't have a right to those things. But now, through the blood of Christ, we've all been brought near, hallelujah, all seen equal. He broke down that middle wall that separated us. And the Bible says he took two nations and made them one man through his cross. All of us are even, even in Peter, as he stood in Cornelius' house in Acts chapter 10, he said, of a truth I perceive God is no respecter of persons. He sees all of us in the same way, through the same blood, through the same grace, hallelujah. And so, therefore, because of that, we all are recipients now of his wonderful love and his promises. And now here he says, stand fast in the Lord, beloved. Now, I want to give you three different um, aspects of the word love here. We, the word love, the God kind of love, is the word agape. It's the, it's the Greek word agape, okay? But the beloved is agapetos, and it means dearly beloved, well-beloved, dear, esteemed, favorite. I like that. Favorite. You're God's favorite. Hallelujah. You need to stand fast in that mentality and understand that you are favored by God, not because of who you are, but because of who Jesus is. And when he's in you, you get all the favoritism you need. You See, I, I like the way one preacher said it. He said, you, you will not know how much God loves you until you understand how much he loves Jesus. Will we ever even understand that? But to know, we know our father loves his son. We know, I mean, he seated him at the highest place of authority, at his right hand, right? Yes. Amen. But right there with him, he seated us all with Christ in heavenly yes. places. But it's only attached to Jesus. It's only in him, it's only through him, it's only by him that we have this favored position. Hallelujah. And in the word agape, which is love, it means affection or benevolence, um, a love. The scripture says in 1 John chapter 4, y'all remember the song, Beloved, let us love one another. If you know it, sing it along. Don't make me sing a solo. For love is of God and everyone. Nobody knows this song? You guys are a bunch of new Christians. 
Well, it was a song I sang growing up. Anyway, it says that God is love. God is love. And when Jesus, God demonstrated his own agape toward us, his own self. I love that. It was God that compelled him. It was love that compelled him, which is, in essence, it was him who compelled himself. It was God who demonstrated his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's greater love has no man than this, than that one would lay down his life for his friends. This is the God kind of unconditional love. I'm going to love you no matter what you do. I'm going to love you no matter what your condition. Hallelujah. Thank God that he loved us while we were still in the, in the condition of sinners. Yeah. Amen. Enemies. Yeah. Weak in sin, but he loved us anyway. Amen. Yeah. But then there's this word agapeo, and it is the verb form of love. All right? That is that we should love one another. Right? Now, I want to encourage everyone here tonight. When you read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, as a matter of fact, why don't we just turn, turn over there for a moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 I want us to see something really powerful here. I'm just going to step off of the trail for just a second. It says this. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not, say it, love, and have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Now watch. It's the word agape. This is, the, this is that noun form. Now watch. It's important because if we're not careful, we make, we make that about us. We make that about making sure that uh, though I, when I speak in tongues of the men of angels, and then I need, to sh- I need to do that by expressing the love of God. Or, or watch now, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I, sh- I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. So what he's saying is, if I do not stand in the place of knowing that I am loved by God, then none of this matters. Those things don't matter the moment that you let the love of God flow through you. Those, those things matter the moment you realize you are loved. You, you stay steadfast in that, that you are beloved of God. You rest in the fact that he first loved you. Hallelujah. And because of that state, because of that place, that security that we have in his love that is everlasting, that nothing is able to separate us from, then whatever we do has meaning and purpose. We don't have to strive to try to love. We just flow because we are loved. Amen. All right? Amen. This is the wonderful mercy and grace of our God. And this is not agapeo. This is love agape. All right? Now, let's go back. Verse 2 of Philippians chapter 4. I implore... I'm so glad my wife's name is not this. Euodia, and I implore Syntyche, to, I'm glad your name's not that either, honey, to be of the same mind in the Lord. 
And I urge you also, these ladies, now watch, watch what he's saying about these ladies. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who have labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. These two ladies were definitely key partners to Paul's ministry, key partners especially in this church. They, they were some kind of leadership, deacons, had pastoral roles. We're not even real sure exactly what they were, but there are lots of women that were assistants to Paul throughout his ministry. And uh, these two, uh, we don't know if there was um, some kind of disagreement before them. There's speculation that there was. I don't really know. He's just encouraging them to be of the same mind in the Lord. Either way, I mean, it could be that they were in a disagreement, but I'm not too quick to say that, that that's absolutely the fact. Um, because they, them as leaders, maybe there were things that they needed to uh, work out personally between themselves, but they were definitely laboring for the gospel. I mean, they all had the same purpose anyway. They labor with Paul for the gospel. They laid down their lives for it. So we don't know exactly what he's speaking of here, but how many of you know it's good for all of us to be of the same mind? right? Especially the leadership of the church so it trickles down right. Amen. I'm grateful to have the kind of staff that will do whatever I tell them or they'll get fired. So it's just fantastic to have those guys of the same mind. Amen. (laughs) That's a joke. All right. Verse four. Rejoice in the Lord. How often? Always. And again, I say rejoice. So three key words in this verse, again, are in the Lord. This is beautiful. That we stand fast in the Lord, that we rejoice in the Lord. So this tells us that our joy is not determined by what does or does not happen then. It is a fruit of the Spirit. It's the result of a heart that is set on Him. The Scripture teaches us that the joy of the Lord is our what? Strength. So maybe here, here tonight, maybe you're tired and maybe that you're sapped of your strength and, and can see no real reason to rejoice. But I want to, hear, I want to tell you tonight, just like the Apostle Paul, to rejoice. Yeah. Not in yourself, not in your circumstances, not how you feel, but in the Lord. Yeah. And you know, you know how that happens? You're going to have to do that by faith. Yeah. You're going to have to do that by faith. You're going to have to talk to yourself. If nobody else will talk to you and encourage you, you're going to have to do it. Uh-huh. All right? That's what, our, that's what the great King David did. He said, why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. I will yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Don't forget, death and life are in the power of your tongue. All right? If you'll get your tongue declaring the word of God, declaring his praise, blessing God, putting your joy in him, thanking him for what he's given you, thanking him that you are seated there in heavenly places, that you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, that you have such a position with God that you are called the son of God, that you have bold access before the throne of grace, that all your sins are washed away, that you're forgiven, that you're redeemed, that you're established, that you're sealed by the Holy Ghost, that God God is with you, and in your future, not only is there a future, there is hope in that future because your God has good thoughts for you. And as long as Jesus Christ, your high priest, is seated at the right hand of God, the Bible says that he has become our high priest of the good things to come. That might get you just a little bit more excited when you start talking like that. Get his word in your mouth. Give your life the potential to live what God has promised you. 
Amen. Rejoice in the Lord. That is, the, the Bible says that now our sacrifice of praise, at one time it was a whole lot of jumping through hoops and going through motions, but now the sacrifice of praise is the fruit of our lips giving thanks unto his name. Why don't we just take a moment and rejoice in the Lord? Just lift up your voice and thank him right now. Just, just utter his praise. Thank him for his goodness. Thank him that you're here tonight. Thank him that you're not in jail tonight. You could be in the hospital, but praise God, you're in the house of God. Amen. There's a lot worse places you could be. But we're here in the greatest nation in the world, in a house of worship, gathered with other believers. Lord, we thank you that tonight was one reason that you died, one reason that you came so we could come here and experience our God again, afresh and anew, that we could be filled with the Spirit of God, that our joy could be renewed, our hope could be renewed. Hallelujah. Our strength, God, would come back to us, and I thank you for that. Hallelujah. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Remember, it's, it's the eternal things that we set our minds on so that we can have the perpetual joy. I want to remind you again, when Jesus sent his disciples out and he gave them authority over all the works of the devil, gave them authority to heal the sick, cast out devils, and that's what they went and did. And when they returned, remember that they came with joy and they were giving report to the Lord and they said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. He said, don't rejoice in that. You rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Because you're not going to be casting devils out every day. And if your joy is dependent upon that, then you're going to have some good days, you're going to have some bad days. But if you remember your name's written in heaven every day, can be a good day. Set your joy on the eternal things, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Because if not, you'll find yourself a little bit like these two school teachers. They hadn't seen each other in several years, and so they met at a convention. And so they began filling each other in on what had happened in their lives over the past few years. And one teacher said to the other, she said, I got, I got married two years ago. Oh, that's good, her friend replied. Well, no, not really. The first one said, my husband is twice as old as I am. Oh, that's bad, her friend said. Well, no, not really. She said, he, he's a millionaire several, several times over. Oh, well, that's good, her friend replied. Well, no, not really, because he turned out to be mean and he won't give me any of the money at all. Oh, well, that's bad, she replied. Well, no, not really. She said, he, 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 he did bill us a half a million dollar house. Oh, well, that's good. She said, well, no, not really. It burned down last month. Oh, well, that's bad, she said. Well, no, not really. He was in it when it burned down. <laughs> You're the only one. You're the only one that's responsible for the joy that you experience. Write that down if you need to write that down. You are the only one responsible for the joy that you will experience. Amen. Don't limit yourself to dependence on others or things to satisfy your need to have joy. Rejoice in the Lord. Amen. You'll never run out of reasons to be joyful when he is the reason for the joy that you have. Look at verse 5. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. That's an interesting verse of Scripture to me. 
That's an interesting verse of Scripture. The Lord is at hand, or the Lord is near. The Lord is soon coming, so be gentle. I would think that maybe there'd be some better words to fit in there, like be urgent, right? Be passionate. It says, let your gentleness be known to all men. Listen to the amplified version of that. Let all men know and perceive and recognize your unselfishness, your considerateness, your forbearing spirit. The Lord is near he is coming soon. So of all the things that the Lord instructs us to do, knowing that his coming is imminent, knowing that he's near, he tells us to show gentleness to others. The great D.L. Moody was sitting in a restaurant eating when one of his Bible school protégés ran into the building and over to his table and tried to stump him when he said, Dr. Moody, what would you do if you knew that Jesus was coming back in three minutes? D.L. Moody said, I would do my best to finish this steak. (laughs) Non-rattled. Not worried. See, Jesus, this is how he has continued. We look at him in the scriptures. Nothing ever rattled him. Nothing ever shook him. I mean, these guys are all, you would think they had him, Right? You would think, especially with the woman with the, caught in adultery, you, you would think they had him. Right? And yet, what is Jesus doing? He's letting his gentleness be known to all men. And see, your gentleness, it's on purpose, I believe, that that gentleness is prior to verse 6. Now watch. What does verse 6 say? Be anxious for nothing. If you'll find that those times when you blow up, when you get short-fused, when you're irritable, that ain't gentleness. You have allowed anxiety to come in and take effect on you. This says, I believe that this is the answer for verse 5. Let your gentleness be known on men. Here's how. Be anxious for nothing. Watch. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. I love that. I love those two words there. Let your requests be made known to God. With thanksgiving means that you can think that it's already done before you actually see it. Before you say amen, you believe that it's already done. With thanksgiving. Now watch. This says in everything, doesn't it? In everything by prayer. Albert Einstein fled Nazi Germany and he came to America and he bought a two-story house not too far down the road from Princeton University. And there he uh, entertained some of the most distinguished guests and people of his day and discussed with them the issues as you know, far-ranging as physics to human rights and all those things. But Einstein had another frequent visitor. She was not in the world's eye an important person like his other guests. She was a 10-year-old girl named Emmy. Emmy heard that uh, a very kind man moved down the road from her house and who knew a lot about mathematics. And so she decided to go visit him and to see if he would help her with her math problems. Einstein was very willing, and he explained 
uh, everything to her so that she could understand it, that she could know what she was doing. And he also told her that she was welcome to come anytime with any other problems that she had. Well, a few weeks later, a neighbor was telling her mother that she noticed that Emmy was going over to Einstein's house. Her mother was appalled by this. She was completely horrified, not even knowing that her daughter was doing this. And so she scolded her real good and told her, how could you go over to this man's house? Don't you understand that this is a very important man? He doesn't have time for things like this. And, and so she took her daughter, she made her way over to Einstein's house, and, and she began to apologize for her daughter's intrusion for being such a bother. But he cut her off and said, she's not been bothering me. When a child finds such a joy in learning, then it's my joy to help them. Please don't stop Emmy from coming to see me. She's welcome anytime at my house. You know, from its very beginning, ladies and gentlemen, all the way to the end of this beautiful book called the Bible, there's a story about how God has pursued you and I with an unchangeable, unquenchable, and undeserved love simply because he wants us to come to him. He invites you, I love this, look at the invitation. He invites us to in everything by prayer and supplication. He really wants to be involved in everything. In everything. Not just the big stuff. Not just when your back's against the wall. Not when you've done everything that you can do. Now you're going to try Jesus. Right? Right? So let me encourage you, before you're too quick to just jump in and tackle those challenges that are lie ahead of you, go to your father. Before you jump over to that medicine cabinet and grab the ibuprofen, I'm not against ibuprofen, but before you make that doctor's appointment, before you go get that loan, go to your father in heaven. He says, in everything, what a great invitation, in everything, by prayer and supplication. Hallelujah. God has an answer, and you have a 24-7 open invitation before his great throne of grace. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. You know, we're all faced with a series of great opportunities, brilliantly disguised as impossible situations. When God is welcome in everything, everything becomes possible at that moment. Yes. So here's the result of your continual meeting with God. That in everything, let's get, let's get that in our lives, guys. Let's get that in our lives in everything we go to him first. We honor our Father. We reverence his word. We reverence what he has to say above everything else. I mean, if you're not careful, I mean, we'll just, we, we, we're habitual in nature. We'll find ourselves just doing things without consulting him, without inviting him in and his counsel and his wisdom to maybe help us get a better perspective and live a better quality of life. Yeah. Amen. I mean, he did come that we might have life and have it to the full. Yeah. Amen? Uh-huh. Amen? And if there's an area in your life where you're not experiencing that bu- abundant life, think about the decisions that you're making. Think, think about that your daily routine where you've just taken upon yourself to take on burdens and cares that are, were not meant for you to ever bear. He said, cast... Your cares upon him. He cares for you. Amen. Amen. And here's the result of your continual meeting with God. Verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. What does that mean? You can't come up with it yourself. You can't conjure up this kind of peace. 
It surpasses all understanding. You don't have the ability, you don't have the knowledge to get this kind of peace in yourself. His peace surpasses all understanding. It will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I like the way the Amplified says it. It will garrison and mount guard. I love that. So here, I want you to notice three quick things here, and we'll be, we'll be finished. Verse 7 teaches us, or verse 6, and then 7 is the promise of it. Verse 6 is pray. Everybody say pray. Now look, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, you're not going to find it on TV. Right? Meditate on these things. Right? Meditate on these things. There is enough here to think about right here for the rest of your life. All right? Whatever things are good and just and noble and honest, of good report. Do you see how beautiful this is? All right, first he teaches us here to pray, and then he says, think. You know, Christianity is not just blind faith. I like what C.S. Lewis said. He said Christianity is the thinking man's religion. And Paul even talked to, to King Agrippa. He said, I've taught you, uh, he's, t- he's making his case, and he says, I've told you through truth and reasoning, Right? This thing can be reasoned because this is the truth. We can think about this. Use our mind. Let, our, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. This is how you take those thoughts captive. You have control of how you think. You just have to take control. You have the ability to control what you think. You do, and he says, here, here's a few things to think about. Here's a few things to get in your, he- in your head. Whatever's true. Whatever's noble. Whatever's of a good report. Think on these things. Train your mind then to work out good things, to think about good things. Why is that important? Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And the scripture also teaches us in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know what this really is? This really is the formula for repentance right here. That's what this is. This is the formula for repentance because repentance is, the Greek word is metanoia and it means change your mind. Change the way you think. Right? Amen. Don't just limit repentance to sorrow and crying at an altar. The biblical definition of repentance is change your mind. Now, if you happen to cry about it, great. If you happen to be at an altar doing it, great. But you can do it in your car in traffic on 75 on Monday morning. All right? Change your mind. My father-in-law, who at this time wasn't walking with the Lord um, years ago, smoked five packs a day. I don't even know how a person can even smoke five packs of cigarettes a day. But knowing him, he's Mr. Extreme. He can do it. If anybody can do it, my father-in-law could do it. All right? That's 100 cigarettes a day. All right? That's extraordinary. I almost want to high-five somebody that can, that can accomplish that. Right? Wow. And he was at a store, at a grocery store, and he was walking 
uh, it was about to pay out, and there on the, on the rack there, they had a few magazines and things like that, and then there was a guns and ammo magazine, a brand new guns and ammo magazine that he hadn't gotten yet, and he saw that, and he's also a big-time gun collector, and he saw that guns and ammo magazine, and, he, and he, he knew he had to have that, but when he looked at the money he had, didn't have enough to buy the carton of cigarettes and the magazine. So Dave Cook decided, I'd rather have the magazine, so he left the carton of cigarettes there and bought the magazine and never smoked again. Just changed his mind from five packs a day to nine. And smoked since. It's beautiful. You can control how you think. And this, this, this gives us a wonderful, wonderful pattern of cleaning up our minds. Hmm? How many of you found out when you got saved, those, that mind still needed to be renewed? That mouth still needed to be brought under subjection, right? It all didn't just, I'm Joe Christian. Everything's perfect, right? No, God did his part in saving you. You do your part in working out your salvation with fear and trembling, right? As we learned in Philippians chapter 2, is that you get your mind right, you get your mouth right, you get your life right, all right? So pray, think. Now look at verse 9 and we'll we'll be done. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do and the God of peace will be with you. The last thing is here is do. Pray, think, and do. Act it out. Practice this. Exercise it. Work it. Yes. Amen. Amen. The word of God is to be spoken. The word of God is to be heard. The word of God is to be meditated upon. And the word of God is to be lived out. Yes. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Father, I want to say thank you for this time and your presence Thank you, Lord, for your abundant grace. Lord, we are continually amazed at your undeserved, unmerited, unearned favor that you so graciously have and abundantly supplied to us. We thank you, Lord, that we, we are here tonight as your children of God, holy, blameless, and above reproach in your sight through Jesus Christ. Thank you that you have washed all of our sins away. Thank you, Lord, that we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. That even as Paul taught us, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead, we understand that our walk with you, God, is one that continually looks forward, not caught up in what was, but praise God, looking to what you are able to do. We look at your word. We see how life can be. We see who we really are. And though we don't always act that way, and though we don't always see that, Lord, it still doesn't change the truth that we are the children of God. Father God, I pray for your people tonight that grace and peace will be multiplied to them. Father God, that there'll be a people who know their God are strong and do exploits. Those that came in here tonight, God, that are weary. Those that came here tonight who are burdened. God, that that will be lifted from them tonight. Thank you, God, for your delivering power. And I pray, God, that joy would be renewed to them even now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. That they would be vigilant to stand fast in the Lord. And to rejoice in the Lord always, no matter what. Hallelujah. Because that will be their strength. 
God, help us to be people who always go to you. I don't think there's such a thing as over-praying. God, help us to be more diligent, to seek you first, to seek first your kingdom, and knowing that all of our needs are met in you. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Go to onecausechurch.com for locations and events. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at One Cause Church.